Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Let the Lord speak to you this morning and encourage your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, and look at verse number Uh, 15, the Bible says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. Just wanted to read some of these good verses. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. That's what your preacher, your pastor was exhorting you on this morning, on rejoicing. Uh, By the way, we've got something to rejoice about. You say, well, you know, man, the the tough times. Yeah, there'll always be the hard times, but if you get your perspective right and see the Lord for who He is, you'll recognize the blessings in your life today. I promise they're there. And then verse 17, I want you to read verse 17 with me. It's just three words, very, very simple. Read those out loud with me. Here we go, ready, begin. Pray without ceasing. Let's read that again, church. Here we go. Pray without ceasing. Our Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would just work in our midst today. Lord, you have been so wonderful to meet with us throughout these last couple nights. But God, I understand this, that we cannot live off yesterday's blessing. We need a fresh anointing of your presence this morning. So I pray, Lord, that you'd empower me. I pray, God, that you'd give me unction to preach today. I ask you, Lord, that you'd give everyone that's here, Lord, the uh, uh, Lord, just the ability to hear what, uh, Lord, you want them to this morning. May they be spirit-filled listeners, and that, uh, Lord, would be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Help me to be as well, and Lord, I want you to be glorified in everything that's done today, because it's not about us, and it's not about me, it's all about you, and I pray that you'd be glorified today in every bit of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, have you ever prayed before and prayed the wrong thing? And I, I don't know, you know, necessarily Miss Hannah was talking about prayer. But, you know, there's times that I have prayed and I don't know if I prayed right. Uh, there were these three boys that come to a raging river one time. They was out hiking. And they were going to beseech the hand of God and the help of God to get them across this river. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good-sized river. And, uh, you know, again, the water raged down there. And so the first guy just kind of stood up and he prayed this. He said, Lord, he said, give me the strength to cross this river. And all of a sudden, man, God just empowered him uh, with supernatural strength. And he jumped in, I mean, against the current, rushing uh, down river. And he swam like he'd never swam before. And the guy just watched him, I mean, looking like he was going to be swept away at any time. And with just strength that was unhuman, swam across that entire river and made it to the other side. And the guy looked at that guy, and he thought, man, that was something else right there. And so he, he stepped up, and he prayed this. He said, Lord, he said, I pray that you'd give me the tools, God, to cross this river. And all of a sudden, a boat appeared. And in that boat, boy, he put it in the water, and he began to just row as hard as he could. And he was rowing against that current, and he had to go with all this strength to get across that river. But eventually, he made it to the other side. The other guy stepped up, and he thought, well, he said, God, 
I pray you'd give me the wisdom to cross this river. About that time, the Lord tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked up, and about a hundred feet away from him was a bridge. <laughs> he walked up there and took the bridge and just walked across the river on the bridge. You know, sometimes we pray the wrong things, but God can help us. Paul, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, writes these three words, pray without ceasing. And I want us to consider some thoughts today that I'll share with you here in just a moment. But by way of introduction, three thoughts I want you to consider. First of all, in this passage, I want you to consider the privilege in this passage. Look at the first word mentioned. The first word is pray. Pray. The privilege in this passage. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, you, you would understand this very, very quickly, and that is that they came to God many times out of fear in their heart. That's how they would come to God. It was a, a fearful thing almost to enter into the, uh, the presence of God. That high priest would come into, you know, the tabernacle. There was that, uh, the, there was that outer court. Then there was that holy place. And then, of course, there was the holy of holies where only that high priest could enter. And there would be such, you know, oh, apprehension and fear because if he went into the presence of God unworthily, he would die. And so oftentimes, traditionally, they would, uh, they, they would try and tie something around that high priest's waist. It's just so, and of course, they'd put the bell on the pomegranate, so he'd kind of, you know, he would, he would be noisy as he walked in there. And if something were to happen, he were smitten in the presence of God, they would drag his body out of that place because anybody that went in after him would die as well because they were not worthy to be there. It was a very very fearful thing that only a few select people could go behind that veil and hope that they had everything exactly right when the time come to be in the presence of God. Well, some 2,000 years later, Jesus came as a man. What a great day that was. God was manifest in the flesh. And I praise the Lord that He wouldn't just manifest in the flesh. Hey, but I'm thankful that he went, listen, from the cradle, hey, listen, to the cross and to the crown. Thank God for that. But you know what? Jesus came and he was born of a virgin. He was perfect, lived a sinless life. And of course, you know, as we'll celebrate here very soon, that he died on Calvary for our sins. And when he did, something wonderful happened. The Bible says this. Don't miss this. The Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. That veil, by the way, was not a curtain. I, I read one thing. Uh, they said that an ox could pull in four directions, that it was woven so tightly and so thick that four oxen moving in different directions couldn't hardly tear that thing apart. It was powerfully uh, put together. But God in heaven reached down and from the top of that veil took his hands and rent it in twain. As Jesus died, you say, why did that happen? I'm going to tell you exactly why that happened. Here's what that was significant of. It meant now that anybody that wanted to could have access into the presence of God. You no longer had to be of any priestly status or any stature to come into God's presence. It was whosoever will may come. What a privilege it is to come to into God's presence and be able to talk with Him Listen, as a man would talk face to face, we can talk to God as if He's right there in the room. You know what? Because He is. He is. Some people talk to God as if He's some mythic creature, you know, uh, in a far, far uh, away galaxy. That's not Him. 
He's your heavenly Father. And you can talk to Him as that. And I can approach Him without any fear of being rejected. In 2015, me and Micah had the privilege to go uh, to London, England. And we went to Wales on a missions trip. But while we were there, we had the, we had the opportunity to go over and visit London for a day. That was a neat thing. Uh, and we got to walk through there in Piccadilly Circle, and which is almost like Times Square for us, and uh, 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 Trafalgar Square, and all these different historical things that we've seen. But you know, one of the neatest things we did was, was we went to Buckingham Palace. I mean, just illustrious uh, palace and the, the huge gates, and of course the soldiers that stood there that you tried to provoke just to get them to smile or sneeze or look at you. And those guys, that, that must be the toughest job in all the world, man. You know, the, the Queen's guards there. But I standing outside that gate, you know, I could have stood outside the gate and jumped up and down and screamed and went, hey, Elizabeth, it's me, you know, here from America, let me in. You know, sir, what are you doing? I'm here to see Elizabeth. And, uh, sir, that's the Queen to you. Yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of close, but uh, I mean, she would know me. You know, just let her know Matt's here to see her. Excuse me, sir, you know, and, you know. Regardless of what I tried, I'm not getting through that gate. I'm not getting through that gate. Number one, because I don't have the right credentials to get in. She don't know me. There's no chance I could get into her presence. I mean, unless it would be an unbelievable, exceptional circumstance, I'd never get there. She wouldn't give me the time of day. It was a beautiful place to be, but I, hey, that gate was a barrier, was a boundary that I was not going beyond. But you know what? Forget the queen, because I can step into the very presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords anytime I want to. And you know what? Have an audience of one-on-one with Him. That's a privilege. Don't ever take prayer for granted. It is a privilege that you get to talk to God. Sometimes we think that we deserve that opportunity. No, no, friend. It is a privilege to speak to God. And so this morning we see in our passage here the privilege Notice, by way of introduction, notice, secondly, the persistence in this passage. The Bible says this, pray, notice the next two words, without, what church? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, we should continue in prayer. Ephesians 6.18 said, pray always with all prayer and supplication. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And I agree with that. I heard a preacher say one time, it's not time to faint, it's time to fight. We need to stay in the fight with God and pray and talk to Him. But you know, many have interpreted what this passage means. Now folks, let's just be honest. Uh, and Brother Jesse was being real a minute ago, and I appreciate that he's a person. <laughs> you know what I am? I'm a person. <laughs> and guess what? You're a person. You're like, I learned so much at church today. There's persons that go to church. <laughs> real people. Yeah, and that's what, by the way, that's what preachers are. They're real people. Preachers get mad in traffic too. Amen? I'll be the first to testify. And uh, I'm careful when I'm visiting a place not to get upset in traffic because I may be following a church member. They may be following me right in the parking lot, so I want to be careful. But you know, the reality of it is this. We're not ever going to be able to pray all the time. I mean, you know, some people say, well, you should always pray and never stop praying. Well, that's a great thought, but it's just not a reality in our lives. I mean, you know, sometimes we got to sleep. Did you pray all night? I didn't, friend. I mean, I ate Reese's Cup bars and went to bed. <laughs> I don't know what time I woke up this morning, but man, I woke up with a headache. I'll tell you that. I don't know what it's like to, to live a life of sin, but if it's anything like eating Reese's cup bars, I'm going to tell you, it's rough this morning getting up. But I'll say this to you, 
To, to pray all the time would be almost an impossibility for us to do that. And some have suggested, man, you know, that you ought to just keep a spirit of prayer all the time. And, but I, I, I'll tell you this too, I, I, I often have been in the flesh. Some of you are wondering, why did we invite you to preach your Bible? I've wondered the same thing. Hmm. But the reality of it is this, so there's the persistence in the passage. Pray without ceasing, without ceasing. But let me, thirdly, by way of introduction, give you the principle in this passage. The principle in this passage. Now, I believe that Paul's very simple admonition that he wanted to give to this church was this. I want you to write down these three words. Basically, there's three words in the passage, pray without ceasing, but I want to just say it a different way, but makes just as much sense as what uh, Paul said. And here was the principle, and that's this. Don't stop praying. That was Paul's admonition. He said, hey church, let me just help you. Don't stop praying. And that was the encouragement, that was the challenge, that was the uh, admonition that he issued to these people to not stop praying. By the way, can I say to you this morning, there are reasons why people don't pray. You know, oftentimes people stop praying, let me just give you a few. People stop praying, first of all, because they don't enjoy it. You say, well, that's pretty plain, yeah, just real, right? I mean, some people don't enjoy praying and so they just don't do it. According to Barna Research, by the way, I'm, they're a pretty credible research company that I have looked at before, and I'm not sure their stats are always correct for how many people they poll, and you think, well, I know that's not true because so-and-so. Well, just take it with a grain of salt here, but from one poll they put out, so the average Christian spends about a minute every day in prayer. They said the average pastor on a basis spends about five minutes in prayer. You think, well, that's just not true. Well, when you think about it, I mean, folks, how often do you pray every day? Well, you know, I pray over the food. I eat a lot, so I mean, I, I count for quite, quite a few minutes in prayer, <laughs> praying over the meal. But the reality of it is this, if you don't have a specific time of day you pray, then you may not get much more than a few minutes every day. And boy, some pastors, I, I, I understand, I work, I work as, a, a, an under, as an under-shepherd, I'm not the senior pastor, but I understand being a part of the ministry, you can just get busy, man, as a preacher, doing all kinds of things, and, and if you don't make a, a purpose to pray, then you may not have very much time throughout your day that you pray as well. So some people, they just don't enjoy it. Let, let me say this to you. Some people, you, secondly, you don't feel like you deserve God's help. Some people, uh, they don't pray because they think, man, I don't deserve for God to do anything for me because of who I am and what I've done. Let me say this to you. Some, another reason people stop praying is because you have more important things to do, you feel like. Well, I just got to spend time with my family. I got to work. Man, you know, I've got things to do. And then I'll say to you that some people stop praying because you just don't believe God's really going to do anything. You ever been in a place where you just kind of thought, Lord, you're just never going to do this and you just stop praying about it. That's when Paul stepped in and said this, hey, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I want to encourage your heart today for just a few minutes on that thought. I'll give you a, a few thoughts and then we'll go eat lunch. Don't stop praying. Number one this morning, don't stop praying because of the person involved. Don't stop praying because of the person involved. You know, some have asked this question, what is God doing right now? That's a great question, isn't it? What's God doing at the present? Well, does he have his tool belt on in heaven because the Bible says in my father's house are many mansions, you know, and well, is God up there in construction? No, I don't believe that he is. You say, well, preacher, what do you think God's doing 
at the present. Well, Romans 8.34 says this, It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. You know what I believe God's doing right now? I believe He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says that He ever lives to make intercession for us. Well, isn't that incredible? You know what? I mean, the Bible says God is seated in heaven. And friends, this morning, you know what? Hey, you say, oh, God's got too many things to do. There's almost 8 billion people on the planet. But you know what? He's an omnipresent God. And you know what He does? He sits there waiting to intercede on our behalf. He don't sit there with His legs crossed and His arms crossed thinking, oh, I can't believe it. I believe He sits there with a sense of anticipation waiting to hear from His children. That's what God's doing right now. Hey, and I'm encouraging this morning to don't stop praying because the one that's involved, the person that's involved, he's there to hear your prayer. And you know what? He takes that and he intercedes to you, to the Father on your behalf. He goes to God on your behalf. He's waiting to hear from you. You know what the Bible tells us about the Lord? One of his names is, he's called the Counselor. Nobody with good sense walks into a courtroom and just represents themselves. Now, you may have had to do that before, and you may have not had a choice, but most of the time you want somebody representing you if you've got to stand in the court of law with the judge and to walk up and say, well, I'll tell you what, you're not going to tell the judge much anything, friend. And uh, that's, I, I, I would, I would, that's it's ill-advised to step into there and think that you've got it figured out. And most of the time, you step into a courtroom, you keep your mouth shut, and you have somebody that's on, on your behalf that's representing you to the judge. He's making your case. He said, well, judge, let me present this evidence and the facts, and he's going to bat for you. Hey, he's in your corner. He's trying to help you. Well, you got one in heaven, listen, that is just like that for you. Uh, the, the Bible says if any man sin, he have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You know what Jesus is this morning? He's your advocate. He's your, listen, he's your counselor. He's your lawyer, if you will. And he goes to the Father before you. And you know what the devil, he's up there accusing the brethren, he don't lie because he don't have to. He can say he's rotten and he's right. He can say she's dirty and he's right. But you know what? Jesus steps up and he says this. Well, Father, everything he said was right. But hey, here's the blood. And I present this on the behalf of my client. And God says he's clear and free and absolved. And man, he stands before us on our behalf to God. And Jesus all the time is taking your petitions and your needs to the Father and saying, Lord, He needs you again today. How faithful that He is to do that for us. And the reason you should never stop praying is because you got one seated at the right hand of the Father that's just anticipating your prayers. And that's just as Hannah mentioned a minute ago, He don't always do it the way we want Him to. But He's there to intercede on your behalf because He loves you and cares about you. What a great, what a great thought that is because the person involved let me say secondly this morning, don't stop praying because of the, the power that's involved. Oh my, somebody said, I'd rather stand against the cannons of the wicked than against the prayers of the righteous. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Can I just help you this morning? Prayer changes things. And if you're not a believer in that, friend, you say, such simplicity in the message this morning. Thank God for that. Because if you don't believe that prayer changes things, friend, you're in trouble. 
Our country's in a mess, and I'll tell you what will change it. Going to our Heavenly Father. Hey, trying to petition your uh, legislators is a good thing, but listen, trying to petition your Father is an even better thing because He's the one, listen, that is in control. I mean, He sitteth, listen, He puts leaders in place and sits them down. The, listen, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and He turns it whithersoever He will. He can do that. Talking to our Father, there's power in it. I remember reading a story about George Mueller one time that had an orphanage. And they said that in Ashley Downs, England, that the orphanage had seen some bleak days and that they were out of money and they had no food there for the orphanage for all those kids. And they said there was a little girl that was in the orphanage during that time and her dad was a good friend of Mr. Mueller. He said, he come by and just grabbed her by the hand and said, sweetheart, he said, let's go into the dining hall. And all the children were seated there. And he said, let's see what our Father will do for us today. And he knelt in prayer. By the way, no food on the table, no food in the cupboard, no money in the bank. But here's what Mr. Mueller did. He got up and he said, dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat this day. And said, before he could finish the prayer, there's a knock on the door. Now you say, this is one of these made-up preacher stories. No, here's what it is. You just ain't never lived by faith enough to know that God can do these things. Hey, friend, get out of America and go to a foreign country. You'll see more miracles than you could ever imagine. Read missionary letters, and God will blow your mind with what He's doing around this world. And the baker was at the door. He said, Mr. Mueller, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning last night worried about them kids. He said, I was thinking they might need some bread today, so I got up and began to make preparations. He said, brought you a fresh batch of bread for all your kids today. And before he finished his prayer, God had already provided the answer for those kids' needs. Hey, listen, not long after that, the milkman's cart broke down in front of the orphanage and said, he just come and said, uh, Mr. Mueller, i got to repair my cart. Can you uh, take this milk for the orphans? And God provided bread, sustenance, and drink for those kids' mouths. You know why? Because Mueller believed there's power in prayer. And God's got this. And man, the Lord did that for me just two days ago. You said, we've heard it twice. Hear it three times. God answered my prayer the other day, man. And I was so excited. I mean, I was sitting there fixing to shave and got a text and thought, man, God, you're amazing. And guess what? He still does that today. God still answers prayers. And I get excited about it. You know, uh, if a kid says, pray for my cat, uh, you can care less about cats. You're like, I hate cats. Well, you know what? If she loves cats, then God loves her. And the Lord might just answer that prayer. Now, some prayers mean nothing to you, but I get real excited when God answers my prayers and does something for me. Can I ask you just a personal question? If I come up to you this morning and say, hey, can you tell me the last time that God answered a prayer for you? Could you tell me? Or has it been so long that you petitioned God for anything that it's kind of a distant memory? I'm thankful not because of who I am, but I'm thankful because of who He is. On a regular basis, He's answered my prayers. And if He answers your prayers, you ought to thank Him for it. And if it's been a while since you could recall one specific that He's answered for you, then you know what? Maybe you ought to start talking to Him more. Because you'd be surprised the more you petition Him, the more He answers. Take your Bible. I want you to turn to two more places before we get done. I see what time it is. Uh, look at Job chapter 1 very quickly. Job chapter 1. If you'll stay with me, I'll be finishing just a minute. I'm not a long-winded preacher, and all God's people said amen. I'm not like the one in the middle of the service. Instead of shouting amen, he kept shouting Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. And 
preacher, that's the weirdest thing. Why would you not say amen or glory to God? But Pharaoh finally asked me in the service, he said, man, what was you doing? He said, why did you keep saying Pharaoh? He said, cause. He said, Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go either. And so uh, he got upset about that thing. So I'm not trying to be Pharaoh this morning. Job chapter 1, let me say to you, don't stop praying because of the person that's involved, because of the power that's involved. But let me submit this to you. Don't stop praying because of the problem that's involved. Now, Job chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says that it was so when the days of their feastings were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and he rose up early in the morning, don't miss this, and he offered what? What does it say? Burnt offerings. So that involves fire, it involves ashes. Uh, in the aftermath, according to the number of them all, he was praying for his kids. For Job said, it may be that my sons and daughters have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, how often, church? Continually. He prayed continually. But you know what? Problems come knocking on his door. Problems come and kick the hinges off the doors in Job's life. And he woke up to a day that he never imagined he'd see. He says in one place, that the thing that I feared the most has happened. I have a lot of fears in life, and some of, a lot of them have to do with my family. I don't like to dwell on those things, but his worst nightmare come to pass. He lost everything that was precious to him, Job did. Had a great friend of mine, he just texted him this morning, and he lives in Ohio, and uh, him and his wife are always a blessing to us when we come up. I messaged him and his daughters. They, his wife just died last week. They didn't even really see it coming. I mean, sometimes things happen, problems come into our life. But I want you to watch something. Look at Job chapter 2, verse 8. You remember Job was praying. He's offering burnt offerings. He's offering sacrifices. He's, you know, he, he's in his place of prayer. He's there continually. The worst day of his life happens, and the bottom falls out, and problems come in like never before. But watch what Job does in chapter 2, verse 8. And he took him a pot shirt to scrape himself with all. And watch this phrase. And he sat down among the what, church? You know where Job went? He went right back to that place of burnt offering and sacrifice where he was continually offering for his kids. You know where he found himself when the problem showed up? Right back in the place where he had been before they were. Before God, broken and humiliated. But you know where you find Job? Still petitioning for God's help. And when problems show up, friend, it's no time to abandon God and get mad at Him. One of my dearest friends in the ministry, uh, pastors in West Virginia, and he said something. I told you the other night, preaching, I've got several quotes on my office desk. Another one of those quotes is this. I'll never forget it. His son nearly died in a Jeep accident, and he is messed up mentally for the rest of his life. He was his youth pastor, and, uh, and they went through so many trials. And he looked at me and said this. He said, Preacher, he said, there's no advancement without adversity. And listening to that statement coming from his life and all he'd been through, I said, Brother Mark, I hear you. He said, there's no advancement without adversity. He said, sometimes God will put you through something to get you where He wants you spiritually. Man, that stuck with me. And I thought, oh God, help me. And by the way, I'm not candidating to take Job's spot. I don't want God to break me. But you know what? If He does, I know His grace is sufficient. And if he does, I still want to find that place of prayer and petition for his help, just like Job did. Look with me the last place. I want you to look. 
I want you to look in 1 Kings 18. We're almost done. 1 Kings 18. I want to say this to you. Don't stop praying this morning. Not only because of the problem that's involved, but write this down. Don't stop praying because of the patience that's involved. Oh, my friend. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. But you know when I want my prayers answered? Can I just be honest with you? When I pray, I want my prayers answered right now. Don't you? God, I got all these bills. I need some money. Wouldn't it be great if God said, all right, and you got to knock at the door and say, hey, here's a check from your heavenly Father. Have a good day. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if God answered every prayer as soon as you prayed it? But how many of you have experienced in the Christian life, God just don't do it that way? Because He don't work on your time frame. You know, it would be wonderful if God did, but He don't. And here I find a story in the Old Testament where Elijah, the prophet of God, is praying for rain. He's praying for rain. And he sent his servant to see if it was coming. In 1 Kings 18, 43, look at this. Elijah's praying for rain. There's been a drought. And he's begging God to send the rain again. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, 43, and he said to his servant, excuse me, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked. And he said, what's the next three words, church? There is, there's nothing, there's nothing. Elijah was praying, oh God, send the rain. Lord, we need it. And he sent his servant, his servant come back, and he said, sir, there's nothing. And I love what Elijah did here. Watch this. And he said, what's the next two words? Go again seven times. And it came to pass the seventh time that he said, behold, there riseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. He went up looking for an answer, and he came back, and you know what he said? There's nothing. I know people and teenagers right now that are praying for their moms and dads to get saved. And they'll come in the middle of a service, and they'll beg God to do something. And they get up and go back to their house, and you know what? There's nothing. I've been praying for several years now for my in-laws, some of the best people you ever meet. My mother-in-law and father-in-law, if I had handpicked them, I couldn't have got to any better. But you know what? They've been out of church for years now because of some trouble, drinking in their life all the time. We're begging God to do something. And you know what I've gotten up to this point? Nothing. I got brothers. Hey, by the way, I was raised in church. My dad pastored. My brothers were Matthew, Mark, Luke. 17 years later, John Michael came along. We're the Gospels. We're a bunch of devils. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. There's more than one Judas in our group, pal. And uh, the ratio was like three out of four, not one out of 12. It wasn't good. But you know what? My brother's been away from God for a long time. I mean, one went to prison, one on drugs, stealing from my parents. You know what? I've been begging God, Lord, change their life. But you know what I've got? Nothing. You know what some of you have been doing for a long time? You've been praying about something specific in your life. And you go to God sometimes in sincerity, and you know what you find out? That there is nothing. And if you're not careful, you can get so discouraged and so despondent, almost like, God, do you even care? God, are you even listening? Is there anybody like that this morning? That in your heart, you've been praying about somebody, you've been praying about something, and God still hadn't done it yet, well, can I just give you the same advice that Elijah gave his servant? He said, hey, son, I want you to go again. 
I want you to go again. And he went again, and there was nothing. And he went again, and there was nothing. And he went again, and there was nothing. But seven times he went. And on that seventh time, he came back and said, hey, man of God. And he said, I looked up, and there is a cloud about the size of a man's fist. And I don't know what's going on, but I think God's doing something to answer our prayers. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You might have prayed a thousand times for God to do something, but can I just tell you to go again this morning if he's not done it yet? Would you go again? Would you pray again? Would you ask God to meet that need again? Would you ask God to change that life again? Because I'm promising, listen, he hadn't forgot about it. It's not like he took his book in heaven and said, well, we're going to cross through that one. No, God listens, and he's making note every time you pray. And just because there's been nothing don't mean there couldn't be something today if you'd go again. If you'd go again, there's prodigals. There's people that are lost. Hey, my uncle right now is dying of cancer and my dad's heartbroken and we're begging God. We ain't seen nothing yet. But I'm going again because I believe he's able. I believe he's able. Don't stop praying because of the patience and then don't stop praying because of the potential that's involved. The Bible says this, Now unto him it's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. I know you're hungry. I'm going to tell you this. And then, sister, I'm going to have you come to the piano as soon as I finish. We're going to have a time of invitation. But sometimes God can do it better than what you ask Him to do. Brother Paul, I'm sure, has told you many times, but uh, our preacher's dad, the Lord's done a miraculous work in Brother Elbert's life, and his story, I would say, would qualify Brother Paul is exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. But you know what? God can do that for you this morning. I was preaching at a youth camp, and I'll finish with this story, that I preach at every year in Summersville, West Virginia. It's one of the biggest camps that I go to, hundreds of kids, and this church pays for them to come to this camp facility for free. If they can get there, they can come. I mean, talking about kids with rough past, rough backgrounds. I mean, man, difficult Difficult circumstances, but they'll bring them in from all over the place and just give them a place to have fun that week and preach the Bible to them. And I preach like eight times that week. I mean, I, it's, it's a, it, it is a labor of love. But I remember the best service that I've ever been in since I've been saved. I remember writing it down in my Bible. Uh, the Bible talked about, you know, this is, this is the work of the Lord. And I don't remember the exact phrase in Psalms. Uh, but it's marvelous in our eyes. And right beside that, I remember writing down the date of that night as one of the, as one of the most manifested presence of God services I've ever been a part of. It was a Thursday night of that camp. The camp ended on Friday. And every year I come there, there's a young girl named Katie May. And Katie May was a teenage girl whose mama was the youth choir piano player and whose daddy was the youth choir leader. But Katie May was an absolute wreck of her life. She was an older teenage girl when I first started coming, and she was as rebellious as a teenager as you've ever met in all your life away from God. And when I sat in that service that year, 2019, I prayed for Katie May. I got her on my list. And earlier in that year, Katie May had been in a relationship with another woman. And she had married that woman a couple months before the camp got started. I mean, as vile and as an abominable as a lifestyle as you can ever imagine is what she was living. 
And her mama was a piano player and her daddy was a youth choir leader. Man, they were heartbroken. We begged God for years to save that girl. And that year, 2019, coming to that camp, we'd got word that her mama was sick. She's in her early 40s and she might die in the hospital. I mean, it was critical condition. The church was praying. She went in there at the camp all week long. We were begging God to touch her. She'd been there for days. And on Wednesday, she'd been there seven or eight days, I mean, touch and go. And it was like God miraculously touched her on that Wednesday night in the hospital. She hadn't been at the camp all week. Here's what they said. They said, hey, tomorrow night, they said um, that Katie's mom is going to be here. I, I, can't, I can't remember her name, her and her husband's name off the top of my head right now. But um, the, there's a, a trio of them that sing together. And they said, Katie's mom's getting out of the hospital and said she's planning to come to church tomorrow night. And I thought, she's crazy. It's like a died in the hospital. She said, I'm going to be there for those kids, though. And they wheeled her in a wheelchair. I mean, a lady that's well capable, but 40 years old, and I mean, just almost life taken from her. And she come in, and her daddy come in, and Katie may come into the service that night. We'd been begging God to touch her. And by the way, God had been doing amazing things that week in that camp. Kids getting saved. Monday night, there was a teenage girl that was 14 years old. She was a practicing lesbian young lady. And she come before God and confessed that and confessed her sins and got born again that night in that service. I mean, in all the shame and all the humiliation, come forward and confess that to the pastor. He said, you know what? God can help you and God can give you a new start. And she was sitting in that service and God had changed her life Monday night. And here Katie come walking in and her mama, uh, man, sitting there in the service and God, I'm supposed to preach that night, but you know... You just would never know sometimes when the Spirit of God is going to do something. Brother Paul, earlier that day I was praying, and I just thought God never was clear on what was happening that night in the message. And I just thought, there's just kind of a sense that God might do something special in that service. And so I come with a Bible, and I come with a message, but really <laughs> I didn't intend to do anything to get in God's way. And the youth choir started singing, and God started working that service. I mean, kids walking the aisle and getting saved in the middle of that. It was the most unbelievable thing you'd ever seen. God was working and moving. We were praying for God to touch Katie's heart and for her to get saved. You say, I don't know if somebody like that can get saved. Friend, you're mistaken if you think God can't save anybody. Because Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners and God saved me. And so we watched that and we prayed. And then Katie May's mama said, I want to go to the piano. And they got her up and walked around the side of the platform and they sit her on the piano right over there and they sat her down and got her started and she started playing the piano and then she started singing and I can't sing so I'm not going to sing and she started singing you thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside you thought I was to die for so you came and you gave your life so I could be free and I could be whole. And I could tell everybody I know, you thought I was worth saving. And when she started singing that song, man, God's Spirit began to move in that tabernacle unlike I've ever experienced it as a, as a Christian. I mean, man, working, and then I watched Katie Mae just bow her head and just start shaking in her seat. And man, Mark Seekers is her pastor. He's just an old country West Virginia preacher. He got up behind her seat and just started praying, God, 
I pray you'd save Katie and started praying. I mean, the most unbelievable thing you ever seen. He started begging God, and about two or three verses in, Katie got up out of her seat and went to the altar. I mean, man, God worked, and people got around that young girl, and the pastor was praying with her, and then we didn't know what God was doing. And about 15 minutes later, she got up, and Katie that night got gloriously born again by the Spirit of God. I mean, there's teenagers walking through that 21 people saving the service that night. Teenagers walking, my little Maddie's 14 years old, and by the way, I mean, she, she don't, she's not overly vocal in church. I got a picture of her walking in church just shouting with her hands straight up in the air, man. I mean, just unbelievable things happening. God working. I thought, Lord, what am I witnessing right now? It was just God Himself come in the flesh in that gym. And I mean, worked and saved that girl. She is such a mess, but you know what? She'd been in the youth choir her whole life. And then it got out as an early teenager, but she knew all the songs, and she heard all the things, and you know what? About 45 minutes later, people getting saved, God working. Katie come up to her mom, and she said, I want to sing. By the way, she could sing. I mean, a married to another woman and just got saved, and they gave her the microphone. Her mom started playing, and she started singing, What do you say to someone? who feel so in love, giving themselves away a little bit every day just to be good enough. And she started singing, there's nothing greater than grace and just got saved. You say, what'd she do? She went home and she moved out of the house of that woman and she's been a different person ever since. And God did exceeding abundantly above what we could ever ask or think when He saved that girl. And you know what? He still can. Sister, would you go to the piano? and just play softly. Here's what I want to tell you today. Just don't stop praying. So many times we go, and you know what we get? We get nothing. And it's so discouraging. And it's so disheartening. And it's almost as if, God, don't you care about me? But friend, He cares about you more than you could ever imagine. And this morning, you may be heavy-hearted with something you carry all the time to God, and man, you don't see anything happen. I want to tell you again today, like Elijah told his servant, would you go again? I mean, would you go to God again today and say, Lord, I've petitioned you so many times, but Father, I want to come to you again with my need. And Lord, would you work in it? Hey, I don't care who it is or what it is, God can get involved and He can work and He can change you. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, God can change your life today. Hey, you say, you think God could do anything for anybody. Hey, if God could save a woman that's married to another woman who's living a life of sin, I'm pretty sure you would qualify today. I don't care who you are or what you've done. God could change your life. Maybe you're just here this morning as a faithful Christian. But man, you've been discouraged sometimes because you've been praying for God to work in this need and He just hadn't done it yet. And you just kind of get disheartened. But would you be willing to go again today and say, God... I want to come to you again believing that you can still do something about my need. Would you stand all over the house, bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? As she prays softly, I wonder if God spoke to your heart. I wonder, would you just step out of your pew again? Maybe maybe there's somebody you need to grab and just get to come to the altar with you. And would you come to God and say, Lord, there's been so many times that you've said nothing to me when I've prayed about this, but God, I'm just going to come again today. I'm just going to believe that you can still do something. Hey, when there's problems in the middle of your life, don't stop praying.
When there's patience involved in waiting to the answer to your prayer, oh friend, don't stop praying. It, because it does not mean that God is an absentee God. It does not mean that He's not paying attention to your needs. It just means that right now may not be the right time. But don't get discouraged. Because if God, or when God does answer your prayer, He could do it better, maybe, than you ever imagined. He can go far beyond what we ask or think. Jeremiah said, Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. With heads bowed and eyes closed, and people on the altar this morning, and those of you in the pew, I wonder today, if God has put something on your heart, maybe, maybe you have a need. I, I did, didn't really have the intention to preach this message, but just kind of felt nudged by the Lord on my way to church this morning to go this route, and God knows, and Lord knows exactly what you are and who you are and what you need today. And you may be like that servant and say, man, every time I come back, God has not done anything. But friend, would you go again today to God and maybe, just maybe, on your behalf today, He could send an answer. He could meet your need. And even if He don't, God's still faithful and He's still good. Just sometimes God answers a prayer, but He says no because He's got a better plan in mind. For you and your family, I wonder, would you trust Him today? Would you trust God to meet whatever need is on your heart this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray as we continue this invitation today that you do work in the hearts and the lives of those that have come. Lord, you know this congregation far better than I do, and I, I'm not even, uh, Lord, as intricately involved, Lord, as, as Brother Paul or some of these others, but God, you know there's some in here that have serious needs in their life. And they need you to meet them. And Lord, some have come to you, and they've come to you passionately, and they've come to you fervently, but Lord, they went back with the words, there is nothing, it seems like, oh, so many times. But today, I pray through the Spirit of God, would you encourage them to just go again? And Lord, to get passionate again about that thing they used to be fervent in prayer about. For Lord, you've not forgotten their prayers. And you keep an accurate record in heaven of every time that we petitioned you, God. Would you work in the behalf of somebody today who's discouraged? And Lord, who has a need that has not yet been met, I pray that you'd meet it and do what only you can do. If one's here today, Lord, they've never been saved, I pray they wouldn't leave this service before they get born again, realizing, God, that you love them so much, you gave your life so they could be saved. I pray you'd work today. Father, bless in the remainder of this service, we pray in Jesus' name, Brother Paul. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.